What's up, guys? Rick here with your DFS preview for this week's Wells Fargo Championship. A much better field than last week's Mexico Open and a little bit of a quirk because we're going to TPC Potomac, not Quail Hollow. So there's a lot to unravel, a lot of good information that you're going to want to pay attention to. But don't fast forward just yet. I need like 60 seconds of your time. I promise it will be worth it because if you noticed on Twitter this morning or if you got an email from me, I launched a new site. RickRunGood.com, still going to continue to run, still going to continue to be awesome. But I launched something called RunGoodProps.com. Let me show you what it is and why you might be interested in it. If you've been following along to the prop ecosystem, you realize there is a huge edge for people who are paying attention. I've tweeted out this secret tool that I've been using to take uh, favorites from other books and take them over to prize picks and make a lot more money on them. I've made a video about it on YouTube. So the next natural progression was to make rungoodprops.com, which is that secret tool. So really, all you're doing uh, because Prize Picks treats every prop like it is even money, this tool allows you to see what the actual biggest favorites are. Then you can calculate your expected value. Then you can go place it in an entry at Prize Picks, and you can be much better off. So very quickly, here's what it does. Uh, these three props at the top, or two props, Tony D'Angelo, Morgan Riley, uh, let's do Marco Gonzalez, and let's do Evan Bouchard. Uh, three NHL props and a MLB player prop. The, the NHL ones are shots on goal. The pitching prop is uh, pitching outs. If you put these four props together in a four-pick power play, your expected value is 12%. There is basically no other bet on the planet. That's not true. But there are not many bets on the planet in which you are expected to get 12% positive return on your investment. It's absolutely insane. So right there, because we're finding the best, uh, the, the biggest favorites, we're putting them together. We are taking advantage of the odds. If you go and actually want to parlay these together at DraftKings Sportsbook, uh, they would pay out plus 595, which would be a 695 return on your $100 bet. If you do it at prize picks, it is a, it's, it's, it's a thousand dollars back, right? It's, it's basically nine to one or 900, uh, plus 900. So it's just an incredibly good value if you were just wanting to parlay them. But if you are actually looking to get an expected positive value, that's there. And that example that I just put out is not even the the best on the board right now. Um, so if you're wagering like $50 a month or more on prize picks, uh, this tool will likely make you money very, very quickly. So this is what I've been showing on Twitter. It's what I've been using to calculate. It is now available at rungoodprops.com. It's a very simple tool. It's a very powerful tool. I appreciate your time and energy. Um, good luck with it. And let's jump into the DFS preview. All right, TPC Potomac. This should not be foreign to you or might not be foreign to you and while it's not the usual home of the wells fargo championship which is usually played at quail hollow but we're going to use that for the president's cup this year so they're not going to use it uh this time around we're going to go back to tpc potomac which for two years was the host of the quicken loans national that was 2018 2017, Francesco Molinari, Kyle Stanley won in those years, and it's way different 
than Quail Hollow. I mean, Quail Hollow is a, a bomber's paradise. That's why it's on the U.S. schedule for a President's Cup, for an international competition. They want to be able to use their power. Uh, TPC Potomac, not the same way. And this has gone through a lot of... Uh, changes over the years. This is what I believe to be one of the one of the harder uh, courses that we have, or at least historically could be very very difficult. You know the the winning scores. Kyle Stanley won this in single digits under par, and then Francesco Molinari won it at like 21 under, which was eight shots better than anybody else. He absolutely ran away with it, and that was really soft conditions that year. I think. Um, unless you're getting a ton of rain in Maryland leading up to this event, like you're probably not going to see scoring uh, like that this time around. I mean, it's, it's a par 70 in general. So uh, the score relative to par is going to be a lot more difficult. And then there's only two par fives. Obviously one of them is an absolute monster. Neither of them are very easy. And if you miss the fairway, uh, you get into a situation where you're playing out of kind of thick penal Kentucky bluegrass rough. It's it's kind of tricky. Um, so I do actually have a, a regression model here. So this is using the two years from TPC Potomac uh, that we had for the Quicken Loans National. And this course is the number one driving accuracy course on the schedule this year. That's right. So there is no other course in which driving accuracy is more important than TPC Potomac. Uh, now, how that rates to like, like strokes gained approach is still quote more important because it has a higher value. But when you look at strokes gained approach, it's always important every single week. So the fact that you have the number one driving accuracy course, uh, I think we should pay attention to that. If you go look at the satellite images, if you go back and watch the tape from 2018 and 2017, uh, if you start missing fairways, it's not just the thick rough, but if you miss it a little bit further than that, gets a little claustrophobic. You're going to have some some tree-lined issues. Um, it can get out of hand pretty, pretty quickly. And if you go back and read the quotes on that, uh, you'll you'll kind of understand you'll kind of understand why. Um, now, I don't know if this necessarily turns into a pure second shot course. I think you've got to be playing out of the fairway and then you have to be able to hit kind of your mid and long irons very well. And then around the greens, there are some tricky spots that you can get into in bunkers, but otherwise I think it's relatively average on the PGA Tour. Uh, so we're kind of looking for a different type of mix. Go back and look at the leaderboards from previous years. I mean, Molinari and Brian Gay and like, you know, some of these some of these shorter hitters have had success around this golf course. I don't think that is a coincidence. I think you're going to see more precision, more finesse than power and brawn this week. So with that in mind, let's take a look at the cheat sheet. Uh, everything that you see in this video is from my website. It's rickrungood.com. It's a very large golf database tool visualization website. I love it. You'll love it too. Five golfers over $10,000. Rory McIlroy, $11,500. Tony Finau, ten six. Abraham Answer, ten four. Corey Connors, ten one. Matt Fitzpatrick, 10000 Rory McIlroy, technically your defending champion. Won this event, but won at Quail Hollow last year. I have no issues with Rory McIlroy. He's like seven and a half to one to win this golf tournament. Again, I say it week in and week out. I'd much rather play the guy who is the sizable favorite on DraftKings than I would betting him uh, and, uh, in, in an outright market. And that is no different for Rory McIlroy this week, who you could argue could be easily $12,000, $12,200. He's $11,500. I think it's a pretty darn good deal. Now, he is um, 
certainly going to want to tap into the driver and tap into being long and accurate. If he can play out of the fairway, he's going to be super, super dangerous. I would deploy Roy McIlroy um, kind of as you see fit. We'll see. We'll know later in the week what his ownership is going to be. Then you get to the rest of this 10K range. And, um, you know, Tony Finau goes out and has the absolute just Tony Finau of Tony Finau runner-up finishes where he never contended for even a moment last week, got better each and every round. He shoots a 63, tying the course record on Sunday and finishes runner-up. Never once was he in contention to actually win that golf tournament. When I look at uh, kind of the metrics, and we can go and look at Tony Finau on kind of a, a deeper basis here. You know, was the weekend an outlier? He lost like five and a half strokes putting over the course of the first two days, got most, not all of it back, but got most of it back and really hit his irons and wedges well, especially on Sunday. Uh, I guess the big concern is when you start to contrast what we saw last week at Vedanta in Mexico, that is just wide, generous areas off the tee. Uh, for someone like Tony Fiedenhoff, who ranks outside the top 150 in driving accuracy, that becomes a little bit concerning when you go to probably the opposite golf course, right? I think last week you could argue was one of the least important courses in terms of driving accuracy. Uh, wide fairways, no rough anywhere to be found. This week, quite the opposite. So I, I do worry about how different this setup is for Tony when you start looking at his advanced metrics. So probably not going to pay the 10-6. Um, I'd actually probably prefer answer, right? So now we're, we're doing the contrasting thing. What we saw last week, big change to what we're going to get this week. So Abraham answer, I wasn't super excited about, even though he was in Mexico and not being able to use his strength, which is precision off the tee last week. Well, now he does get to use that. So I, I kind of think we're going to get maybe opposite types of results from Abraham answer and Tony Finau. The popular guy is probably going to be Corey Connors. You know, he's coming off the third place finish in, in the match play. He made the cut at, in, in Texas, sixth at the Masters, 12th at the RBC Heritage. If you look at uh, the power rankings for everybody in this field, Corey Connors is, is third over the last 20 rounds behind Rory McIlroy and Brandon Wu. That's right, believe it or not. Um, Brandon Wu is up there. So Connors is going to be incredibly popular because you're looking at the ball striking metrics. Listen, he should be. That's fine. I'm going to check to see what his ownership is later in the week. We'll know for, you know, a better, uh, not for sure, but we'll know a better image of this come Wednesday during the live chat, 3 p.m. Eastern on the Rick Rungood YouTube channel. I think what I'll, what I'll likely end up doing is taking the pivot to either Matt Fitzpatrick, the last guy in the 10K range, or down to Terrell Hatton at 9,900. I think both of those guys are suitable. Let's talk about each one individually here we'll start with Matthew Fitzpatrick um you know Fitzpatrick the last time we saw him missed the cut at the RBC Heritage which should have probably been a decent spot for him so a little bit of disappointing to see him actually go out and miss the cut but if you look at how he did it uh losing a ton of strokes putting 3.2 strokes putting to put that into perspective that is the second worst putting week by Matt Fitzpatrick in his career and it's the worst of any two-round event that he played. He had uh, worse numbers than Memorial in 2019, but that was over four-round strokes game putting. It's a counting stat, so if you're putting poorly for three days and four, like it's just going to add up. So you could argue the RBC Heritage was the worst we've ever seen Matt Fitzpatrick putt. Well, uh, I'm willing to forgive him. I'm willing to forget that. I'm willing to assume that he does not have the worst putting performance of his career again, considering he is uh, generally a very good putter. He's a positive putter. 
And then you start looking at the results outside of that. You know, we've been talking about uh, Matt Fitzpatrick being such a good driver of the golf ball and not getting enough credit for it. You know, uh, you can you can include the match play numbers in this, but dating back to the start of the calendar year, he's lost strokes off the tee three times while he's gained multiple strokes off the tee three times. He's gained another 1.2, 1.6 uh, at, at the at the Valspar, respectively. He's a very good driver of the golf ball, usually gains strokes across the board, much more consistent option. I'm quite excited to get Matt Fitzpatrick. You know, he's 20 to 1 this week, which is the third shortest odds as I record this video. It's it's pretty unlikely you're going to get another crack at Matt Fitzpatrick at a course that should set up well for him, coming off of an outlier poor putting performance, which would indicate a buy low spot, and getting him as 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 one of the favorites. And maybe uh, if Corey Connor sucks up a lot of the ownership, maybe a decent pivot play. We'll see how it goes. But I, I think early in the week, it's Monday morning. That feels like a really good spot. We'll see. Terrell Hatton's 9,900. Uh, you know, Terrell could not be... Um, more, I shouldn't say it can't be more different, but he's just the more volatile version of Matt Fitzpatrick. And uh, I, I think we we know that, right? We we see that. Uh, we see it, first of all, not only in his in his demeanor, but you can see it in the advanced metrics as well. You know, it's it's a, a six-tournament stretch here where he'll gain two strokes off the tee or lose 3.5. He'll gain five and a half on approach or he'll lose 2.7. He'll gain eight and seven with the putter. He'll lose five and a half. These are drastic wide ranges of outcomes for a golfer, especially a golfer of the caliber of Terrell Hatton, who has, I believe, legitimate win equity in this field. There's not a lot of guys at the top of the board that you can point to and see in three different strokes gained categories, having huge ranges of outcomes like this. It's good and it's bad. If you're looking for that high upside, if you're looking for the volatile play at likely lower ownership, maybe a pivot option, Hatton seems like a great play. Um, you know, made a deep run at the match play, finished 21st first at the Zurich with Danny Willett, um, made the cut at the Masters. Even if you go back to the start of the calendar year and even to the end of last year, he's got a couple of top 10s on the European Tour. He's played well in 2022. It's just a very volatile version, and you have to be willing to accept that. And I think if you're trying to win all the money, you should be at least willing to consider accepting it. Uh, the rest of the 9K range is, is quite interesting. You can make a pretty good case for Keegan Bradley. This is a kind of a total driving, good drive percentage, ball striking course. Uh, played well at the Zurich with his partner, Brendan Steele. Had an 8th place finish at the Valero Texas Open. He's playing well right now. The guy that most concerns me is probably Mark Leishman. And if we go and look at we, uh, Leishman's uh, profile here, there's a couple of things you're going to realize. Well, one, he's 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 quite expensive this week, so he's he's checking in at $9,700. He is the seventh most expensive golfer on the slate. If I'm if you're the seventh most expensive golfer on the on the slate, and I'm paying $9,700 for you, I'm I'm generally expecting some level of upside. Does Mark Leishman have that level of upside? You know, in his last 12 starts, he has exactly one top 10 finish. That was a T10 at the Tournament of Champions. What was that? 42 golfers? No cut event? Resort course knockaround thing? Like, that's a little bit concerning, isn't it? You know, you throw out the win at the Zurich Classic, which you could argue last year's Zurich Classic, which you could argue you can't throw it out, but let's just do it. It's been two and a half years since he's won, right? Farmers Insurance Open in 2020, that's almost two and a half years ago, which is crazy, right? That's crazy. 
can he win? Is he going to win? Then you look at the golf course and you say, well, he's not very accurate off the tee, right? 128th in driving accuracy. You look at the the other ball striking metrics. Okay, he's better on approach. He's decent around the green. He's a pretty good putter. He kind of has to be. I think he's kind of playing, I don't want to say with a short deck this week, but I, I think that TPC Potomac is not really uh, leaning into to Mark Leishman's strengths. And at this price, you're asking him to do a lot. If you look at the power rankings and... Um, Look, I mean, look at the last 20 rounds. Mark Leishman is, have I scrolled past him yet? No, he's 85th in strokes gain total in this field. He's the seventh most expensive golfer. Let's just change it to weighted just so we can be fair. So we can be fair to Mark Leishman here. Um, so Mark Leishman in weighted strokes gain total over the last, uh, do I have 20 rounds checked? Yes, I do. 20 rounds. Mark Leishman is, boy, have I scrolled past him yet? No, 84th. Okay, so very, very similar. I think he was 82nd in, in raw strokes gain. So it's just, that doesn't really add up to me. And I'd be much more willing to go to Russell Henley and Gary Woodland and Keegan Bradley and to almost everybody over Mark Leishman here, which maybe that comes back to bite me. I just don't necessarily see how that's a really good fit for him. Rounding out the $9,000 range, I think that there's a pretty good argument to be made to just go back to Gary Woodland, right? He finished 24th last week. I think he was, uh, well, I know he was fairly popular, but I think most people would say that they were disappointed in that result because even the 24th was like improving on Sunday and not like, it's not like he was eighth and then dropped to 24th and he was in the mix. He was never really in the mix. So I think most people will just kind of move on. And I, I think that when you have, and we saw this with Corey Connors a lot, um, I guess at the end of last year, where it was basically, he was popular, popular, he would pile up top 20s, and then just everyone just got bored with him. And I wonder if that's going to happen with Gary Woodland this week. I think it's a little bit of a flaw, um, and you got to get into the shiny new objects that are going to be in the field this week that Gary just goes forgotten, and nothing has really changed from why he was popular last week to why he might be popular or should be popular this week. Uh, before we jump into the $8,000 range, I'd probably be remiss if I just didn't show you on the Holy Grail um, the golfers in this field at TPC Potomac. Now, there's only eight possible rounds available. They're from 2018. They're from 2017. So take this for what it's worth. But look at the types of golfers that are showing up here. Um, highly in terms of strokes gain total. Well, Frankie Molinari, no surprise, right? Because he lapped the field here, gained 20 and a half strokes to the field at the Quicken Loans National in 2018. Um, Ryan Armour. Right? Ryan Armour, short hitter, accurate hitter, finished runner up in 2018. Abe Answer, four rounds. That's only one event. That's a T4, not very long off the tee. Sung Kang's the best player of everyone who's got eight rounds in at TPC Potomac. So he's got a T5 and a third place finish. Bo Hostler is next. Bo, uh, Ben Martin, Keegan Bradley, Ricky Fowler, Cheston Hadley. Actually, Mark Leishman is in here, which is a little bit scary for me. T5 and T13. But I, I mean, who's the longest hitter in that in that stretch? Keegan Bradley? The, like, it's, it's, it's a lot of shorter guys. Again, very small sample size. You can sort through this all you want there, but I, I do think it's it's worth it's worth looking at. Now, the AK range is pretty small, but it is pretty rich um, and a lot of savvy vets here, right? Paul Casey, Sergio Garcia, Jason Day. Um, Jason Day will actually show up, if you look at the last 20 rounds, as basically the best golfer in the 8K range, although that comes from a couple of peak results. The 10th place finish at the Zurich. You had another um, top five, I want to say, at 
was it at Pebble? I have it up right here somewhere. Uh, I'm sorry, Farmers. Tori, I knew it was one of the places that he's always played well at. The T3 at the Farmers. So it, 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 it gets skewed by just a couple of spike weeks, but take that into account if you would like. Um, Max Home has been fairly solid right now. He's won this event. He won it in 2019. Again, not here. He won it at Quail Hollow, but he played well enough at the Zerg with his partner, Taylor Gooch. He made the cut at the Masters. Um, he hasn't played horribly. I think the guy that I'm most interested in is Cam Young, uh, who is just... I, he just pops off the board, right? He is such a good skill set. And what I what I really like about Cam Young, who, in my opinion, is probably the favorite to be the rookie of the year, is that he's proving he can do this at a lot of different courses, which I think is exciting. So let's just look at... Uh, look at his season, right? Okay, so he's got a T2 at Sanderson Farms. He's got a T2 at Riviera. He's got a T3 at Heritage. He's got a bunch of other kind of top 25 finishes along the way. He's dominant off the tee, but think about this. I mean, he wasn't supposed to play well at, at Harbor Town. T3. Riviera, completely different golf course. Asks you for a lot of long irons. Asks you for a lot of distance. Runner-up finish there, right? To, to be on two opposite ends of the spectrum at these two different courses, I think it's a really telling sign. When you start to see that, especially for young golfers, um, it, it's, it's awesome, right? And it usually shows that their game translates in a big way. He hasn't even gained strokes putting in any of his last four starts. Uh, like, I think that he can putt better than this and history shows that he can putt better than he's actually putting right now. I, I think there's a lot of upside for someone like Cam Young. And while there is certainly going to be a level of experience for some of the golfers in this field, it's from 2018, 2017. There is a, uh, you know, and nobody has more than eight rounds here. And most guys have four and a lot of them have zero. For young guys who every course that they see in competition for the first time is new to them, it's a it's a pretty big advantage to go to a newer spot or a spot that is not a regular stop on the PGA schedule. So I, I really like the way that Cam Young sets up for um, really not only this event, but for so many events moving forward. I do want to circle back on, on Max Homa here because he is um, the best ball striker over the last uh, 20 rounds in the $8,000 range. He's fourth in this field. He's gaining 1.27 strokes in the ball striking categories. Now he's losing uh, most of it back in the short game stats. But what we know about Max Homa and what we've seen over the years is like if he can get that three-stroke putting week, get that four-stroke putting week, and he's going to find it four or five times a year, it's almost like a guaranteed top 10 for him. In fact, uh, 2021, I think he had five five different events in which he gained four more strokes putting and he had a top 10 in all of them. He won two of them. He was the only guy to convert pop putting weeks into top 10s 100% of the time. So at least that's exciting. It's hard to tell which weeks it's going to be for Max Homa, but um, with the ball striking metrics that we're seeing and just waiting for that pop putting week, I don't think it's the worst thing in the world. 7K range. This is where things start to get really, really interesting here. Um, we can start at the top. Aaron Rye's playing awesome. Would have no problem if you want to go back to him. He's doing it in a very sustainable way. Uh, you get good drivers like Johnny Vegas, like Keith Mitchell, that I think are really live this week. This is a demanding off the tee course. That's exciting. Um, a tactician like Joel Damon, who's going to be accurate off the tee, who's got a couple of good results coming in. Love that. Um I will point out a couple of guys that I don't normally point out because uh, I think that's what's of value here. Matt Kuchar is $7,900. I'm not generally a fan of Matt Kuchar. I just think that, honestly, the modern... 
PGA Tour game, it's it's difficult for him, right? I think it's difficult for him to be 185th in driving distance, um, having to hit so many long irons and hybrids and all that stuff, and having to rely on the putter. But he's been getting it done, right? So he's in a stretch of golf now where he's got two top three finishes in a row, T3 at the RBC Heritage, T2 at, at Valero, and a stretch of three events in which he has three straight top 20s. Now, a lot of it is via the short game. I get that. And it's a little bit concerning, but that's kind of the player that he is right now. I could argue this is probably one of the better setups for him. So you've got a guy who's playing well, getting to a spot in the schedule that's really good for it. Like, like it couldn't come at a better time. You know, I wouldn't have wanted this after he went miscut, miscut, T67, miscut, which is the stretch he had from Pebble Beach to the Players' Championship. But now he's playing well, gets to a good spot, probably invoking a lot of confidence. I, I don't mind this at all. Brandon Wu is also here. Uh, speaking of confidence, I think we're seeing a, a change in confidence from Brandon Wu, who started off his uh, PGA Tour season with missing 10 of his first 11 cuts. Yeah, gets his tour card, misses 10 of his first 11 cuts. Seems to have found something, though. So we've got five consecutive cuts made. Um, three of them are top 25s. Two of them are top threes. T3 in Puerto Rico, T2 runner-up finish in Mexico. He's gained strokes on approach in four straight. I'm cautiously optimistic here. This is a much tougher field. It's a much different setup than it was last week. But this, to me, reeks of a, a guy who is getting more comfortable on the PGA Tour, getting more confident in his game. Maybe he found something in his game. This is a, a obviously a much better statistical profile than with the one that we saw before the season started. And he was he was good enough on the Corn Ferry last year that you know the game is in there. He's an accomplished. Uh, collegiate player as well. So this is this is pretty exciting. I would not mind. It, it feels like you're chasing a little bit. Going back to the guy who just shot the course record and, and finished runner-up uh, last week, but I, I think we're seeing it as as part of something larger for Brandon Wu. The bottom of the 7K range uh, has a couple of interesting options. I think that um, you, you know Cam Davis at 7200. Again, kind of in the same in the same category as Cam Young, where Harbertown was not supposed to be a good setup for him, finished third. If we see kind of something like that, he's probably a good contrarian play because everybody's going to go to the accurate drivers. Um, you know, not necessarily the longest guys on tour. Cam Davis sprays it off the tee, but showed us he can be precise. He can be precise. He did it at Harbertown. I'm kind of interested in that. Um, there was a couple of oh, I asked the question last week about Honor Bon Lahiri, and I said, you know, what version of Honor Bon are we going to get? He had two good finishes in a row. What were we going to get at Harbertown? Or maybe I asked the question at Harbertown. I can't remember. But either way, now we have three out of the four really good finishes, top 15 finishes from Honor Bon, uh, and a 66. So he's made four cuts in a row. He also played well here. Um, I have that. Do I still have that up? I think I do. Yeah, here he is right here. In 2018, he finished T13 and lost strokes on approach that week, which is something he is now better at, or at least has been during this mini little stretch. So maybe we can marry a little bit of the experience on the greens where he gained seven strokes putting. I don't expect him to do that again, but maybe he gains four and a half strokes with the putter. Maybe he gains three and a half on approach. Maybe he's a, a plus two off the tee. And now we have a really good stat profile for Honor Bond. And I, and I think we can be pretty optimistic about that. Um, showed you Bo Hostler. I think that's fine. You could argue that um, this is probably one of the better spots for Mark Hubbard. Really just kind of all of these lukewarm plays that I have in the bottom of the 7K range, any combination of them, 
I, I think they're all quite quite suitable. The 6K range, I'm not as excited about. Um, I think we will have to maybe find some of these guys in the model. You know, I, I could just roll Austin Smotherman back out there and hope for a better result in the 67th in, in Mexico. Um, he's he's basically by far the best ball striker in the $6,000 range. He gains a third of a stroke off the tee, gains uh, over a half a stroke, two-thirds of a stroke on approach. That's going to be really hard to find. And if, if we argue that... This is probably a better setup for him than uh, Vedanta was. I don't think that's much of a stretch, and he made the cut there, so I could be fine with that. Um, you know, the weeks where you get uh, accuracy over over distance, Ryan Armour, who's got a uh, what a runner-up finish here to Frankie Molinari in 2018, he's now back in the mix. Just kind of looking at some of the other metrics for some of these guys, Bill Haas made another cut. I mean, it's hard. It's hard to really just root for cuts from some of these guys, but Bill Haas is now at what, eight or nine in a row, something pretty impressive. Um, yeah, I'm not sure how much I'm, I'm loving any of these guys. It would, it would kind of feel like a Satoshi Kodaira week, wouldn't it? Um, let me, you know, finish 15th last week. He is a boomer bust player. Let's just, let's just deep dive Kodaira together. I've not really looked at Satoshi this week, but let's just see what we can find. Um, accurate. Yeah. Distance, no, which is kind of what we what we knew. Gain strokes on approach, gain strokes off the tee, gained a lot of strokes putting at the Mexico Open. That's not entirely crazy. Um, you know, the par fives are one of them is gonna be like six hundred and thirty yards or something outrageous, where you start to get into the wedge ranges for Kadira and he's he's better. Like if it's a three shotter for everybody, that's good for Kadira. I'm not super stoked about it. Let's see what the model says. Let's see what we can find running a model here. So um, here's the custom model on rickrungood.com. Real quick, sometimes I get questions like, hey, the new the new salaries aren't loaded in yet. If you click reset, well, first of all, it should update automatically, but if you click refresh, that's kind of like, or reset, that's like the hard refresh. And then you can also hard refresh your browser, but it's, it's almost always there when I get those questions. So, um, all right, let's do this. We're in the heart of the season. Let's go 16 rounds. Like I want to kind of keep this short. I want to kind of keep this wonky. Remember, I think we we embraced the wonkiness um last week. Kurt Kitayama was the number one player in the in the model. I think Tony Finau was number two. Somebody can correct me on that, but I know Kitayama was number one, so that worked out. So let's um let's see what we can do here and get pretty get pretty crazy. I, I just think when you have the number one uh driving accuracy course on tour you got to kind of roll with it so let's say driving accuracy is is uh 30 percent then let's just do a weighted strokes gained uh total but i'm not going to do anything else off the tee because i've done so much on accuracy i'm going to do like 15 on weighted strokes gained approached uh, so strokes gained approach, 10 on weighted strokes gained around the green and 10 on weighted strokes gained putting. The reason I'm using the weighted version of this is again, we've got a lot of guys who are spending a lot of time on the corn ferry. We've even got guys coming down from the senior tour using the weighted strokes gained as opposed to the raw strokes gained is a way to, um, give guys credit for doing it on the PGA tour. So now we've got 35 weights left. I think I want to get into par four scoring. Listen, I think par fives are, I think the par fives are going to be really tough. Um, I'm going to say like 20 on par four scoring. And then I will say, um, I, you know, this is kind of weird. Like I want you to hit the green. Obviously I'm going to go 15 on greens and regulation because you can get into some wonky bunker spots around here. So this gives me a accurate, uh, heavy accuracy 
uh, a decent second shot with uh, weights towards just finding the putting surface. It gives me a a lean towards par four scoring. Let's see what it pumps out. Oh, and I got to click this button. 16 rounds. Okay, my number one golfer is... Oh, boy. Okay. Corey Connors. I guess that shouldn't be that much of a surprise. Corey Connors, number one. Russell Henley, number two. Kevin Shreelman, number three. Joel Damon, number four. Well, we found the guys, right? We found the guys, you know, playing out of the fairway uh, for sure. Seamus Power, five. Ryan Armour, six. Matt Kuchar, that devil, seven. Yeah. Wow. Cooch. Paul Casey, eight. Abraham Answer, nine. Yeah, I think this is a much better spot for Abe Answer. Matias Schwab, uh, 10. Notables, Fitzpatrick is 14. That's kind of interesting. I like Fitzpatrick this week. I'm just kind of looking. Rory's 37th. Probably the accuracy. Just kind of looking through. Finau's 61. Yeah, I just think that's going to be tough for him. So here's what I need to do. Um, I kind of like this. I'll be honest with you. I kind of like this. Look into Matias Schwab a little bit more because he probably has less PGA Tour rounds. I'll probably be pretty in on answer and pretty in on Fitzpatrick. I don't mind that one single bit. So I've got some, I've got some work to do, but I'm not, I'm not surprised by the results of that model. Um, let me know what you think. Tweet me at Rick run. Good. Leave a comment below. If you want to go sign up for rickrungood.com or rungoodprops.com, you'd be much appreciated. I think you'll enjoy it. Uh, best of luck this week. I'll talk to you guys soon.